What's up, everyone? Taiki here, and welcome to episode 13 of the Crypto Market Wizards podcast. Today, I have here with me Alex Kruger. How are you doing today? Good, man. Very good. Great to be here. Yeah, no, it's great uh, to have you here as well. Um, I usually have, you know, crypto DJs uh, on this channel, but I think it's good to get your perspective um, because I think you specialize um, in you know, macroeconomics and whatnot. Um, but for the audience that uh, doesn't know who you are, do you mind giving us a brief intro of who you are, what you do, and how you got into crypto trading? Uh, I'm an economist by, by uh, upbringing and, and uh, started working as an economist early in my career. And um, I have uh, 15 years of uh, TradFi experience, uh, basically uh, uh, economics, uh, uh, research, uh, banking, uh, physical commodities. And uh, then in the last 10 years, a little bit over that, I've been uh, trading independently, uh, both uh, like initially strictly macro and uh, a little bit of Bitcoin. And then eventually with the passing of time that, that flipped and, uh, I, uh, and now I'm mostly um, uh, trading uh, uh, crypto and doing other things in crypto. So you could say I'm, a, I'm an old TradFi guy um, uh, that's become uh, a crypto degen in a way. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, I I got into uh, I I was I was a trader uh, uh, before getting into crypto, and um, I just uh, stumbled. You know, we all stumble into Bitcoin, right, one way or another. Um, I stumbled into Bitcoin my own way, uh, and uh, I just became progressively fascinated uh, with uh, everything around it. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think everyone that enters crypto first gets in through Bitcoin um, and we buy Bitcoin and then it's like, okay, like now what do we do? Uh, and then naturally, as we get more interested in blockchain uh, technology, we slowly get into Ethereum, Solana, using the chain and whatnot. Um, what, what's your view on, I guess, Bitcoin, Ether, um, and I guess different types of digital assets in the space? I usually think of, of uh, basically uh, Bitcoin and ETH as, as very similar assets. Uh, leaving aside the fact that I, I use uh, yeah, I use them very differently and I use ETH very actively uh, when it comes to speculation and trading, I consider them very similar and it's mostly about basically the chart, sentiment, positioning, and uh, beta. Um, usually, uh, and this changed in the last year, uh, usually ETH uh, for, for many, many years has been basically a, a higher beta Bitcoin play. So uh, that's been mainly the reason I, I preferred uh, ETH uh, for, for a, a significant span of time. It's not a matter of uh, principles of or, or, or uh, uh, judgment on the community or um, uh, the tech itself. It's just basically, it's about making money, right? Then aside of that, I, I use ETH a lot. Uh, Bitcoin, I don't use uh, Bitcoin a lot. Uh, it's it's uh, I, I traded actively, but you don't really use Bitcoin, right? You store Bitcoin. Uh, mm -hmm. You take your profits into Bitcoin and uh, and you hodl it, right? Yeah. Like, would you? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you trade other digital assets, but would you say that you know other? Let's let's say you trade another coin um, and you make money. Like, do you just view crypto trading as a way to stack more Bitcoin and Ether, um, no, or do you actually I, believe I, in like the tech? It's it's about accruing uh, uh, wealth in in something I know very well how to do and I and I appreciate it and and it, it's I'm very passionate about it but at the end it's about accruing wealth and uh, even though holding Bitcoin is generally a very good idea for most people there is 
uh, other ways to you can outperform Bitcoin uh, significantly uh, by by doing other things. And uh, I I think in dollar terms. I don't think in Bitcoin terms. I think in terms of uh, wealth measured in dollars because my liabilities are in dollars and my world is in dollars. So um, yeah, I, I I don't I, I don't see of it uh, that way. But but back to but back to Bitcoin and and I guess crypto. Um, um, like, like the use on it is, it's, uh, the way I see it is it's an asset class that is, uh, that is simply the most fascinating asset class in history. It's uh, viral. Uh, it's, it combines all asset classes into one. Uh, it confers, uh, market participants with, uh, ownership and ownership is, is power and, um, and then, then basically you have Bitcoin as a store of value. You have uh, ETH, which is a uh, uh, Bitcoin beta and also basically allows uh, to uh, all of these things that you can do in ETH from, from basically, uh, well, uh, basically applications, right? Yeah, this is like a, primarily like a DeFi on-chain channel. So I think everyone's aware of, you know, using yeah. Ether. Uh, what types of applications do you like using, um, let's say on ETH mainnet or L2s? Um, perps, exchanges, um, AMMs. Mostly those two on wallets. It's it's about uh, speculation. Uh, there is all sorts of other applications that are that I think are very useful and will be very useful. Uh, like let's take on Solana Hive Mapper or take uh, also on Solana Parcel, uh, real estate perps platform. Uh, but uh, when it comes to active usage, is things that allow me to speculate uh, on chain and goes from perps to. Uh, uh, Dex trading platforms like uh, TokenSite uh, and uh, and uh, aggregators and uh, bridges and uh, I would say to be honest, uh, we all use more or less the same applications at, at this stage. There's there's nothing special when it comes to that from my side. Yeah, I know most of I guess on chain is just to you know like just speculation, right? It's just like buy coins that you think will go up. And then sell when whenever it feels like it. You know, we'll we'll talk more about uh, crypto and whatnot. But I do want to first talk about your views on macro because this one did some numbers here, um, where you know everyone's calling for a recession. This was back in July of 2023. Um, but you know, you took the contrarian bet and said that you know what, like I'm bullish risk assets. Can you kind of go over um, your outlook back then and where you are now um, as it relates to I guess the S and P uh, and you know um, Bitcoin and Ether? Of course. Uh I don't remember, to be honest, the specifics exactly, uh, but uh, uh, overall, the gist was that, uh, and, and that's, by the way, it's, it's, it's a research piece, right? There's a lot of data there. Uh, mm -hmm. The view does, it, it starts from the point that uh, the consensus was, was definitely bearish. And uh, the consensus was that we would be having a, a severe recession that was uh, impending and unavoidable, driven by things such as the yield curve inversion. And uh, that was coming after uh, one of the worst years in the history of stock markets and risk assets in general. And uh, usually when that happens, you what you get is a reversal. So then if you looked at all the arguments that people who were bearish and calling for recession were making, you could actually tear each of those arguments apart entirely. So that's it was basically about uh, uh, being uh, being uh, understanding that 
what what pace is really uh, betting on uh, asset prices going up. That is just natural for that to happen. And that the arguments of those who were expecting exactly the opposite were not only incorrect, but also were extremely widespread. Therefore, provided a perfect scenario for one to remain bullish and just bet on continued appreciation. And to be honest, the beginning of 24, I think it was about the same, just uh, not as strongly, but, but similar outlook, similar, similar uh, like the positioning was not as bearish, but similar uh, perspective that basically we have to, we have to enter a recession. Uh, too many people calling for a recession when we had just seen pretty much the Fed finally deliver the pivot the famous pivot that we that we need that we're waiting for. We're waiting for the, the Fed to pivot uh, since uh, early 22. It finally came. The pivot basically had the. Uh, this is something interesting. People get very um, emotional about it, about the definition of the pivot. What is the pivot? Um, and uh, the pivot, there's no there's no single definition of a pivot. It's just basically the Fed transmitting to us that they're they're now starting to care more about the downside that risks are balanced. It's not just all down or up. They're literally balanced. They're looking at both things. They're also looking at the labor market, not just inflation. And uh, that there is basically a Fed, a Fed put back in place. That if things get bad, they will intervene. And that the way they, they, they delivered these people to us was on the dot plot, which is basically the economic projections that the Fed makes uh, once uh, every quarter. Um, basically March, June, September, and December, on their projections, uh, in this case of uh, interest rates out in time, they uh, changed their outlook for 24, and uh, they went from uh, expecting uh, five hikes, I think it was five hikes, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was, they went from expecting five hikes uh, in 24 to three. That's a very big change. Um, so, so pretty much we had the people in December and, and markets been, been rallying since. So it's been an easy trade so far. Um, yeah, I think that's, that, that sums it up. Yeah, and I also want to share this tweet that I thought that was pretty interesting coming from you, where you mentioned that the Fed has become extremely effective at dealing with crises. Um, and a lot of people look at the past to try to determine what's going to happen this time around. Um, but you think that that's not the best way to view um, because, you know, the Fed is also learning over time. Yeah. What kind of mental errors do you think people have uh, when they're trying to think about? Um, it's, it's basically, let, let's put it this way, mathematically, you could say that uh, we have a sample size that is very, very small. And we are determining or, or trying to anticipate what the future may have for us based on a small sample size. And then on top of that, that sample size should be weighted, not equally. So it's not the same, a crisis, a major crisis in 1929. And a major crisis in 1981, that one in 2008, and one in 2020, and one in 22. They're they're very different. The, the economy has changed. The central banks behave differently. Governments behave differently. Everything is different. Therefore, we shouldn't be weighting everything equally to say, okay, this is what the, the past had for us. Then, therefore, we expect more or less the same going forward. Uh, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, even the creator of the yield curve uh, inversion, um, that indicator said that, you know, this time it's showing a false signal. 
Um, and I think that also takes humility from, I, I forgot the guy's name, but yeah. you know, he mentioned that you know, this yep. time it's like different. And I do want to talk about this audience question. You mentioned that the markets are you know, just primarily a way for you to speculate and try to accumulate wealth. Uh, how would you consider, uh, like, would you consider the S&P to be the primary driver, driver of the coin's price trend? Um, and how do you think, uh, you know, I guess Bitcoin and S&P will behave for the rest of the year? Bitcoin's Not time. at all. That, that, that's only happened between, between March 2020 to April 23, actually. Um, uh, Bitcoin's been, uh, been largely uh, uncorrelated through history until the corona crash. Uh, with a lot of people uh, imagining relationships that do not exist, uh, that you can you can prove that uh, show that uh, uh, with with uh, actual data with uh, proper econometric analysis, and uh, you can also look at that by basically zooming into charts when when big macro events are happening or big S and P moves are happening, to appreciate that these two things don't move together. Um, that's in the past. Then we had the Corona crash. Then we have basically. Uh, Bitcoin uh, becoming a macro asset for the first time, which was very important to drive flows into Bitcoin. As uh, basically the way to put it was uh, Bitcoin became the gold, but better, the, the faster horse, the, the one we want to bet on in this, this race after governments changed uh, everything. Uh, and, um, and then basically in uh, 23, in, in uh, April 23, uh, correlations uh, literally plummeted to zero and uh, we've been in an environment of uh, almost no correlations whatsoever until um, the last few weeks it's, it's, they're starting to creep back in um, that's been uh, I think driven, this is very subjective but I think it's been driven by a lot of market participants living entirely crypto and Bitcoin uh, in the bear market uh, from asset managers to market makers um, and uh, now that we have uh, uh, spot ETFs, uh, I, I fully expect this correlation to come back up and, and Bitcoin to once again uh, be a macro asset um, based on, on, on two factors. One is uh, large asset managers, like new type of, of market participant that uh, doesn't treat Bitcoin the way most others do, including ourselves. Uh, which is basically um, the way to think about it is is uh, hot money. Uh, that's a tradfi term. Hot money is basically mm -hmm. mercenary capital that goes in and out, in and out. When things turn bad, you get out. Now with the ETFs and BlackRock and the different market participants promoting finally Bitcoin to their audiences, what we have is accumulators, large accumulators. Uh, that uh, manage their books uh, differently. They're not in and out. Uh, so therefore, I think it's logical for correlations to come back up that uh, and, and also uh, think of all the market makers that are, that are basically now in the market because of ETFs that they didn't, they were not part of the equation before. So the, the landscape has changed. I think we're going towards basically uh, um, with the passing of time, um, uh, Bitcoin becoming gold. That's, that's the way I see it. I see. Would you say that you expect one day Bitcoin to flip gold um, as a store value asset? Um, you know, you also talked about how you expect Bitcoin to trade all-time highs in 2024. Uh, what do the narrative looks like? Is it just going to be the having and you know BlackRock, uh, you know, just shilling, I guess, the ETF uh, to everyone's faces? Uh, what do you think is going to be the catalyst to just drive crypto assets higher? 
I think it's more of a narrative. I think it's actual flows, actual inflows into into Bitcoin that that later on they they trickle down to the rest of uh, crypto assets. Uh, it's the ETFs are game changers. We don't need a narrative now. We have actual uh, actual flows coming in. It's a uh, it's a nascent asset still. Um, you can see it by all the hate it generates. So it's it's not widely owned in institutional uh, sectors whatsoever. So we are changing that these 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 new players, the Black Rocks of the world, they're changing that perception for us, and uh, it it makes sense for Bitcoin to become an, an institutional asset that eventually flips gold because it's just a better store of value. Um, I mean, yeah, gold has all the uh, the industrial demand, but that's such a minor factor of of uh, uh, gold's price action. It's only ten percent of of demand of gold comes from that. Um, and and uh, then the other thing is, if if once you take into account that Bitcoin is in the process of once again becoming a macro asset, and uh, it's uh, and and you expect, and which I do, uh, Bitcoin to be uh, once again possibly correlated to risk assets, then the view on risk assets matters a lot. And uh, the view on risk assets, I think you should be extremely positive on risk assets, uh, leaving aside flares of geopolitical uh, uh, warring here and there, which they always happen and they're going to keep on happening, and leaving aside moments of basically markets overstretching or, or short-term uh, uh, economic crisis or uh, 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 rates traders getting ahead of themselves and basically pricing in more cuts than, uh, than we will likely get or what that the Fed thinks we will get. Uh, leaving that aside, uh, we are in a world where basically uh, we are growing. The economy, the, the world economy, uh, leaving China aside, is relatively strong. Relatively. I'm not saying it's not the strongest, definitely. Uh, the, the, the U.S. is growing uh, uh, it's growing uh, slowly It's because the Fed wants it to grow below trend or slightly below trend, uh, which is something, by the way, there was it's something I'm, I'm going off a tranche right, right here, a branch, but uh, Powell on, on the last uh, uh, presser, he, he said uh, for the first time, I believe it, that uh, they're not targeting below trend growth, that they are okay with strong growth for as long as inflation doesn't, inflation keeps on going down. Uh, that was that. That's something new that was uh, brought up. But once again, and, and wrapping this up is we are we have a, a decent growth. We have interest rates coming down. We have inflation coming down. And uh, I, I may sound uh, uh, biased or overly subjective, or or like even some some people may laugh at like that makes no sense. Uh, to to put too much weight on on AI, but I truly believe that the AI is going to accelerate the world economy and productivity to levels never seen before, to to taking things to a point where we cannot even comprehend how fast and how things are going to grow. Uh, we need to change change the mindset, change uh, you know, take the SD card one and one out and and find what comes next because. Uh, our our view on the world it's uh, should be changing. Yeah, and I'm just screen sharing the chart of Nvidia, and it's literally like the craziest chart, one of the craziest charts um, you know uh, anyone can yeah. find about the markets. Um, and I think you know one thing you mentioned um, about you know you, obviously your bullish risk assets, um, and it's all about the pendulum swing, right? It's not all about 
know, finding or waiting for the pivot, uh, but trying to figure out, you know, when the narrative is starting to shift um, and identifying that. And I think one, one question I have for you is, you know, despite the S&P 500 and the indices hitting all-time highs, uh, crypto also, you know, starting to go up, retail inflows starting to come back in. I still see a lot of people struggling to be bullish. You know, they're still in yep. this camp of a recession. It has to happen. It has to happen. It has to happen. Uh, yep. Why do you think people have such a big issue just turning bullish? Yep. Like um, what mental hurdles do they have? It's pretty much a combination of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, <laughs> which is, is very real. It's extremely real. Uh, over uh, um, recency bias. Um, that's a very, very common cognitive bias that we all suffer from, all of us. Overthinking, uh, thinking that uh, we know more than, uh, than, than the market as a whole. It's, it's, uh, it's a very common uh, uh, mistake that we do. Uh, and uh, we, we start uh, going too deep down the rabbit hole. Things that actually uh, are uh, noise, um, uh, missing the bigger picture, understanding that, uh, that the, these drawdowns and these corrections are for us to get on the wave and ride higher. That's where the real money is. It's not really on making a, a quick 30% on a, on a 15% drawdown. Um, and um, uh, also understanding that, that pretty much negativity drives clicks. And uh, there is a lot of uh, engineering of uh, uh, social media attention and, 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 and attention by the media and social media for uh, people to click drive engagement, that generates uh, income for people generating this kind of content. And uh, this, this, it's, it's very hard for people who are not very experienced to uh, not pay too much attention to it because it just, it, it attracts you. Uh, it's just how our minds work. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not easy to fight that, that kind of drive. So, um, and and on, on a related manner, it's, uh, I think uh, people in general pay too much attention to the wrong people. Uh, uh, it's uh, just look at them. Uh, so are they analysts? Are they traders? Are, are they influencers? Uh, how are they making their money? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's about like, there's people who generate content for, for, to, to educate and, and really impart knowledge and try to help. And there is a different kind of content creator that actually is trying to take advantage of, uh, of uh, people's minds to manipulate them into clicking. There's two, two very different kinds of, uh, content creators. Yeah. Like some content creators, like their entire model is, I guess, running ads and sponsors. Uh, so, you know, if they want to just generate clicks, um, then they're going to be like, a 50% crash is coming next week. Here's what you need to do to avoid, you know, like getting financially ruined, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And that's, content like that gets way more clicks than why you should be bullish NVIDIA or something like that. Um, and naturally... Like, like, um, like, like on that sort of drop, but like, why should you be not paying too much attention to BTFP versus why you should be looking at this because this may cause your portfolio to go down 40%. So uh, the latter really, really, you know, captures people's minds. The, the former doesn't. It's like, okay, whatever, then I don't need to read it. Thank you. I'm okay <laughs> with the title. Thank you very much. I don't have yeah. to worry. Yeah, there's more urgency, you know, when, it's, when someone is trying to tell you that you could potentially lose money next week, right? Uh, whereas, yep. you know, if you're trying to learn why risk assets are bullish for 10 reasons, it's like, eh, like, you know, it's, 
less enticing, I guess, for an audience to click on. It's also like one mental flaw that a lot of people have. I mean, you know, I think we all fall under this, but it's confirmation bias, right? If you think that Marcus has to go down, then you only consume people or consume content uh, of people that says it's going to go down. You're not going to click on content uh, that, I don't know, like says that XYZ yeah. things are bullish. Um, like, what does your content, or like, what, what types of content do you consume uh, to make sure that you're not, you know, being too biased? Uh, like, what does your, I guess, yeah, I, like, I what, read uh, an extraordinary amount of uh, research, um, like as much as I can, as much as I possibly can. Um, uh, research pieces uh, from uh, basically uh, sell side and buy side uh, on the macro, not, not on uh, individual names. Uh, those are trash. Uh, but on the macro, trying to basically understand what is, what is uh, everybody thinking and why. And, and I put a lot of emphasis. I mean, I'm, I'm old now, it's, uh, uh, but uh, I, I grew up uh, uh, literally like I would get a research piece and I would tear it down and I would not stop rereading it until I understood what this guy is trying to say by this thing. And the and funny thing is, um, after uh, uh, many years, I started to realize that many, that oftentimes the things that these that, that uh, analysts and writers and researchers write, they're oftentimes made up. Like you don't have to understand what they're saying because they're actually wrong. Yeah, I, I read a lot of research. I, I stay on top of news. I, I read, uh, uh, I put, a, I spend a lot of time reading uh, uh, breaking news. So I don't want to read the, 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 I don't want to read the news article around Powell or the Fed or Yellen or Russia, I want to read exactly what Putin said. And I want to read what Powell said, and I want to read what everybody's saying without any kind of analysis around it. I, I consume a lot of that. And then um, uh, talk to people. Uh, I think that's, that's a great way to consume news, to see what people are sharing with you and read it and understand and, and, and discuss. Got it. Yeah, so I appreciate all your insights there. Um, I do want to pivot to the conversation more to crypto because uh, I saw this tweet uh, that you put out that I thought was pretty funny. Let me, let me find it here. Uh, so, you know, uh, this was roughly a week ago uh, where, you know, the market is trying to tell us something about ETH and it's literally yep. a pile of shit. <laughs> yep. So uh, what's your view on ETH as an asset? Obviously you, well, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you think of ETH, the asset right now, given there's ETF um, rumors yeah. and whatnot? And, um, bef before uh, ETH uh, maxes get 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 uh, you know uh, angsty, it's like I find ETH a fantastic asset. Uh, I use it often. I think it's overowned. Um, uh, it's uh, I fully expect it to do well. I don't I don't don't misunderstand me. But the thing about ETH is that everybody in crypto is already on ETH. We are we all own ETH, and, and I think the market has been telling us. This very clearly by the fact that how how ETH has been underperforming. Uh, so uh, uh, the way I see it is being being ultra bullish ETH relative to other crypto assets is uh, being stubborn uh, at this point. Um, I mean, it's good to be contrarian, uh, but it's not to, no, it's not good to be stubborn. Um, there is uh, significant growth happening uh, on ETH and in in, uh, in in ETH and in layer twos. Uh, but uh, the way to think about it is, um, you know, we also have a few um, um, two two key events uh, coming up on, on on ETH. Basically, we have Eigenlayer that uh, is being supposedly moved from April to uh, end of uh, H1, 
uh, eigenlayer should, uh, I expect at least, not should, but I expected at least to generate a wealth effect and make ETH go up the same way uh, uh, the Gito airdrop, for example, did with Sol and a little bit the Jupiter one. Um, but, but that aside, uh, um, a large part of the, uh, this is interesting, a, a, a big chunk of the uh, outperformance that, that eigenlayer should drive on ETH, I think, is behind us because people already bought ETH to, to stake and then restake on eigenlayer to get eigenlayer points and then get tokens. So that's that kind of like behind us. And then we have the, uh, the ETF, right? The, 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 the ETH ETF. And um, the way I think about that ETF is that it will happen, but it will happen likely in 25 because Gensler has been very, very clear that he is not in favor on, of an ETH ETF. You can basically appreciate this by reading his remarks uh, when uh, the Bitcoin ETF was approved. And uh, if you look at the decision by the SEC, it was a 3-2 decision where Gensler, was, Gensler decided, in a way, Bitcoin ETF, yes. And he's not in favor of, of, of ETH. So I think uh, Gensler, before... Uh, it's not an absolute terms. It's about I'm, I'm I'm thinking in terms of probabilities, but uh, probabilistically, I think that Gensler has to go uh, before there is an ETH, uh, ETF, and that means that Trump has to win, which I expect him to win um, easily. In fact, uh, so that means uh, Trump comes in, uh, Democrats go, Gensler gets replaced, crypto gets an, an ETH uh, ETF. And something else there is uh, look at the Bloomberg guys, the, the analysts that they done a, a remarkable job job predicting the success of uh, the Bitcoin ETF. So they kind of like set they they are the market right now when it comes to probabilities. So they're talking about sixty percent probability of uh, an ETF uh, approved in May. Um, I think that's lower than sixty percent. So that's uh, that's that's by definition not bullish. Um, what else? Uh, there's, there's something else that, uh, that traders we talk about and when it comes to ETH is there is, uh, uh, an, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but there is an options overrider on, on the ETH market that basically is selling top side in size regularly, selling basically calls, uh, out of the money. And, uh, he has a, a very large position that keeps on rolling it and that puts pressure on ETH, uh, downwards pressure. So if, if uh, it's, it's unknown who this party is, but uh, if he were to uh, disappear uh, or change his flows, uh, it flies. Um, you know, we're, we're basically, and, and what I'm doing is I'm extrapolating uh, based on, on the, the past few months, and I expect this to continue, but it may change. Uh, we don't know. I mean, to, 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 to give you an idea, it's, uh, I estimate that uh, this party has uh, about $600 million in, in notional uh, in exposure, uh, basically, uh, uh, what is equivalent of shorting ETH. We also have Bitcoin, right? And we have the Bitcoin, the ordinals, Bitcoin layer twos. There is a lot of things happening there. And at the end, these two assets, they do compete for attention and they do compete for similar sources of capital. And uh, for example, there is a lot of money coming in from Asia, uh, new money, yeah, money new into crypto, and, and it's flowing into Bitcoin uh, and, and uh, ordinals. It's not flowing into ETH. Uh, so uh, uh, I think there is a lot of potential growth, much more potential growth on the Bitcoin layer two side than the ETH side. 
And uh, that's also another another um, uh, factor that uh, should make it underperform. Um, for the record, I'm I'm long old, uh, uh, very long old uh, BTC ETH, and so uh, you know it's not. Uh, it's, I, I'm I'm aware that I can be easily be wrong, so I'm I'm not going all in or out. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, like I said, there's a lot to unpack there, but. Uh, I definitely do agree that ETH is severely overowned. Um, I think during the bear market, anyone that wants exposure to L1s or L2s just sold their alt L1 exposure just like to rotate back into Ether. Um, and one thing I've observed is that if a new altcoin launches and there's demand for that altcoin and there's not that much new money coming into the space, people just sell ETH to buy that thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so whenever there's a new token launch, people sell ETH to you know speculate on that. Uh, and we just need more and more capital, uh, like to come into the crypto space in order to support, you know, ETH, which was like, I think, which is like a two hundred fifty billion dollar asset. Um, and uh, yeah, I also yeah. want to follow up on your ETF prediction. I, I think Eric Balchin has said that there's a seventy percent chance of an ETH ETF in, the, in his most recent post. Um, but you think that he's gonna be wrong, or you know, it's like overestimated. I think it's, think? I think it's too high. I, I think it makes sense for, for for the probability to go up in the short term. And then we don't get it. I see. Like, what do you think ETH BTC looks like in that scenario? I see that you have like a ETH BTC chart, um, like behind you on your screen. Uh, like, oh, where yeah, do you I think like that goes? I like to torture goes? myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all like torture yeah. ourselves holding ETH. We all joke <laughs> it's like a cooked asset. <laughs> yeah, it's just an expression of of simply uh, ETH, ETH not going up. <laughs> As I was saying, there's people selling a lot, and it's overowned, and we we dump ETH to buy. Uh, other coins, and uh, it's it's also I think is an expression of the merge, uh, of uh, the merge. Uh, we we hyped it up so much that so many of us uh, put a massive amount of capital in ETH, and then basically now we all have ETH, and all the fans have ETH, and, and then you have so many other chains that are popping up. And uh, when it comes to other chains, I like to say it's uh, you know ETH and Sol at the end are the only two chains. At least this is the way I see it, but. The way I see it is like ETH and Solar are the only two chains that are, have real communities. Um, uh, aside of Bitcoin, right? That have uh, real communities. You go to Aptos, it's a wasteland. You go to Sui, it's a wasteland. Mm -hmm. uh, you go to Blockstacks, it's a wasteland. The, most of these chains are a wasteland, uh, which, uh, yeah, I don't know, well, what was it? Uh, uh, say, uh, I, I tried Say the other day. It's like it was broken, nothing broke, nothing worked. Uh, by the way, it has almost no TBL. Uh, I couldn't put my trades through. Astroport was a disaster. Uh, the, the 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 wallet didn't did, nothing worked, and I go like, it's amazing that we've been pumping this 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 uh, this chain. But at the same time, nobody it's new. Nobody owns it, so money flows into it, and uh, just just the way the way the, the game works, right? Yeah. If a group of people shell it at the same time, it just goes up. Uh, and the fact that it goes up creates inertia and it goes up even more until, you know, at some point people sell. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, Ethan Soul is like the only, I guess, like the L1s that you're interested in that have real communities. Uh, like what, what's your view on Soul? Uh, I know you have like the Solana phone. I know yep. you, you know, play around on chain. Um, what do you like to do there? Uh, like what's your bull case for Soul there? Um, I like to... You sold to make me money. Uh, that's uh, that's what <laughs> I like. Course. So yeah, uh, yeah. it's uh, it's fast, it's cheap, 
uh, it works very well. It's not centralized as Ethmaxes want the market to believe. Uh, I think it's speed and, and well, it's not, I think it's a fact, speed and low fees enable things that are not possible in ETH. Its monolithic architecture makes things much simpler than, than charts and layers over layers over layers. There is like too complicated for the average person. You have the phone that, that makes it, uh, it's an ideal funnel to bring in, uh, retail, retail likes to trade on phones. They don't like to trade on, on a million screens, right? They like to punt on phones and they like their NFTs on the little phones. So uh, that's, that's, that's where the demand is. I think the next saga is going to be a major success uh, because the former saga, which by the way, is a horrendous phone. It, as a phone, the hardware is terrible, but what they've done on the software is, is pretty good. And uh, you have to, we have to just basically uh, 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 look and stare at all at how the fact that a meme coin called Bonk uh, literally turned the saga phone into a massive success. And uh, because of Bonk, the next saga is going to be a massive success. And that, I believe, is going to drive a lot of buyers uh, into Solana. Uh, they, then you look at, at Beam Coins and Sol. Okay, there's a lot of wash trading going on because low fees means that you can wash trade the same way uh, there's, there's massive amounts of wash trading in Sexus. Um, it's very hard to wash trade in ETH. It's, it's not economically feasible. Uh, that being said, Let's let's say uh, put the wash trading aside, or say that it accounts for, even if it were to account for eighty percent of all the volume, volume meme coin volume in Sol is still considerably larger than on ETH. Uh, like 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 in in net, you, we were seeing three million, uh, uh, three mil, two to three million in the in the largest meme coins on ETH uh, of twenty four hour uh, volume. In uh, in Seoul, you see thirty to fifty million. It's it's quite remarkable. So think about it, and um, and I think one has to appreciate that is that's what is called a very good product market fit for people who want to gamble in in the in the meme coin casino. Yeah, and uh, there's yeah yeah yeah, and one also like one another thing. Um, if you think back about the last bull market in 2020, there was DeFi summer. Uh, on-chain gas, like ETH gas fees went crazy um, and it priced a lot of people out. And then in 2021, when Bitcoin had all-time highs, retail came like roaring back in. Um, everyone just went to Binance Smart Chain. You know, it came totally out of left field, but it was cheap and fast. And that's where all the meme coins and like the gambling happened. And this time around, ETH is still slow. Uh, the L2 scaling roadmap isn't like, doesn't really make that much sense if fragments liquidity having all these L2s. Um, and I think one of the use cases for crypto right now is airdrop farming, right? Just bridge a thousand dollars, use a bunch of yeah, yeah. random shit, potentially make like 10, hundred K. Right. Um, and then all that wealth just goes into like punting meme coins. Um, and I can, I can, I feel like history is kind of repeating here, right? Uh, where ETH maxis are kind of in their own bubble. They think like, okay, like L2s make sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then all the users is going to like cheaper and fast chains. Uh, do, do you kind of agree with that? Analysis or like I do, how you I, 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 I do think the layer twos do make sense. It, it's not binary. I, I like to think in in in, uh, in in spectrum terms, but at the same time, the thing is like most most liquidity on ETH is on ETH. Now it's not on Arbitrum. It's not on Optimism. It's not on any of the layer twos. It's on ETH, and it doesn't breach as easily. Like like uh, the people that breach are extreme bigens and 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 and, and farmers, right? So yeah. like the the capital on ETH is on ETH. It's not on Arbitrum. Uh, you have guys trading on GMX, uh, Vertex, et cetera, but it's on ETH. Solana is on Solana, and, and you can do other kind of things. 
if the ETH ecosystem would be different and, and at the core, most, most liquidity would be one of the, the fast L2s, I think things would be very different, but it's not the case. Yeah. Interesting. So I guess I want to, I guess, you know, ask a little bit more general questions. Um, yep. and we can tie into, you know, tie in Bitcoin, Solana, ETH and all that, but, um, let's say someone's getting into the markets right now. Um, how, like, how do you think, like, you know, how does someone get into crypto now, like make it in the next cycle? Yep. You know, you expect Bitcoin at all time highs. That probably means other assets do all. Uh, yep. what are your, what would be your general advice to those types of people? Well, the, the first would be, uh, understanding that, uh, when it comes to, to crypto, the, the first rule is to survive. And the second rule is to survive. And it's all about surviving because <laughs> eventually if you survive, you do extremely well. You just need to survive. How do you survive? Well, the first, the, the, a very, very good, good way to, to, to actually survive is to not expose oneself to catastrophic loss. And the way to do that is to not use leverage. So uh, then, uh, I mean, this is very, very repeated. Everybody talks about it, but it's true. And, and, and people, it's kind of like, uh, it's very similar to eating shit food. You know, you know, everybody says don't eat shit food, but we still eat the shit food. So everybody <laughs> says avoid leverage It's bad for you. It's going to kill you. And, uh, we, or people on average do it anyway. So the, the first point is avoid, uh, high leverage or avoid leverage at all. Uh, and when I say leverage, I, I think it's important to, to, to specify that we should not confuse per perps or futures with leverage. You can trade perps without leverage and perps offer plenty of advantages over spot. Uh, it's about actual leverage on the position or on the, or, or on the portfolio. Um, okay. Uh, second, I'd say that it depends on, uh, on like the, these, these uh, people or person new, new to crypto. It's, it's, it, it's different depending on how much capital you have. Uh, if you don't have much capital, you should focus on illiquid on-chain assets, I think. Uh, should focus on fundamental analysis, should focus on uh, building positions, uh, finding good assets that are not yet hyped, and try to front-run the narrative, switching back to them and exchange listings. If one has a lot of capital, it's very different. The focus should be on the highest quality liquid assets, um, patience, and, uh, and because the flashes always happen because crypto is illiquid, so be patient and open positions only during times of short-term panic. Um, and um, then I'd say uh, you have to uh, work. People, people new to crypto should really be working on their network. It's a truly nascent asset class. We all talk to each other, um, and there's a lot of alpha in talking to other people. So uh, build a network, talk to people as much as possible, be helpful, research, write, share, findings freely and try to build a brand and a network because that will pay off and uh most people don't do this because they don't like writing on their they don't have the discipline to to actually do that or they're actually most of them it's a matter of being shy um you know it's not easy to to express a, a view publicly yeah and yeah, for me, like I've been making crypto videos for I guess like three and a half years, and I'm very introverted in real life. I'm very shy, 
Uh, and people will get surprised by that whenever I say that. But I guess I'm not really afraid of being wrong in, in a sense. Or I'm like, okay, like I'm doing the research anyways. I might as well just share it and see what happens. Exactly. Um, and I think everyone should you know, write. I think writing gives you a lot of clarity. Um, yeah. Like how, how do you build conviction in a trade? Um, it's easy to say, okay, you know, do fundamental analysis and uh, I don't know, like bet uh-huh. on stuff. But And also how do you build conviction? And how do you know you're wrong? Like, when do you cut your, um, when, when do you cut bait, I guess? I think the, the answer to that is, uh, is reading, uh, reading a lot, reading, 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 and, and, uh, and questioning, uh, uh, your, yourself, questioning your, your bias and, uh, trying to see, uh, trying, it's, it's, it's about reading and understanding and, and understanding where the market is sitting and, uh, and, and talking to other people. Um, and, and, um, that's how I do it. It's, I don't, there's no magic formula. I just read a lot and I, and I, and I, uh, exchange ideas with a lot of people, uh, very actively, uh, and I question my, my biases and I question my point of view all the time. That's, that's how I do it. It's no, it's no magic formula. Uh, one thing is I do need the price to, uh, at some point, uh, not too far out, uh, go my way. Uh, it's, uh, I, it's, it's good to be contrarian. I am a contrarian, but, uh, in shorter timeframes, uh, a bigger timeframes is for a very long period of time, um, other people in your industry, it's, it's different being contrarian and, and taking the other, the other point of view of crypto, people in crypto than people in traditional finance, right? Uh, because in a way, like. I'm saying this because in a way I'm contradicting myself. It's, it's crypto is a contrarian play and has been a contrarian play for over a decade, right? Um, so, um, um, yeah, that, I mean. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah, crypto, like being in crypto in itself is contrarian. So being contrarian within crypto uh, can be dangerous uh, because crypto is a momentum or it's a very momentum driven asset class. So yep. you kind of do want to go with the trend when price is moving. Uh, and of course, you know, being contrarian and being right is the best way to make money, um, but it's only obvious in hindsight. Uh, and when you're living in it, it's it feels really bad, right? When let's say Bitcoin's going up and I guess altcoins are like just like nuking uh, or something. Yeah, or when your shitcoin goes down 70%. That's not nice. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely hurts. No. Definitely hurts. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, it's network is your net worth, uh, being able to talk to like-minded individuals. Um, and I'm sure you've seen lots of people blow up um, and also succeed uh, at your time here. Uh, what are the most common traits of su- successful investors and traders? Um, and like, what did you learn from them? Um, I'd say the number one is... Um is discipline and drive. Um, people who succeed in, in markets, they, they, uh, oftentimes they, they, they chase their dream. Um, like, uh, it's uh, using, uh, an old, uh, uh, quote, uh, like, like a chase, chasing your, your dream or chasing your objective. Like a man whose hair is on fire is chasing a pond. You need to go for mm-hmm. it, and uh, your family is going to tell you you're crazy, and uh, your your coworkers may think you are insane. But uh, it's about drive and discipline, and and you need both because you can be disciplined but have no drive. 
um, it, it really comes down to, to that. Um, then there is other things uh, that, that I could talk about, like uh, uh, the importance of being a contrarian, the, port the importance of doing fundamental analysis, the importance of trying to understand absolutely everything, uh, the, the extreme importance of not relying on, on uh, not looking for magic formulas and, and, and crutches uh, like uh, indicators, um, not, cope, not copying others, uh, like it should be completely relevant for uh, any trader what what Kruger is doing or what you are doing or what uh, uh, anybody is doing. It, it's, it should be relevant. It's uh, like, uh, say, we, we listen to Soros talk and it's like his position should be relevant for us. What we, we should care about is his thought process and try to understand what is this person thinking. We're going to learn something from that and it's going to tell us something about market position and what, what may come next. But it doesn't really matter how or what this person is executing or why he is long. Yeah. And, you know, I guess the other way to frame the question is, I mean, of, of course, the two ways to pick it in crypto is to survive and to survive. Uh, and, we, you know, we talked about, I guess, the dangers of leverage and whatnot. But what other common mistakes do you think people make uh, that, you know, lead them to blowing up? Or well, it's like getting out um, of the game forever. Well, blowing up is always the same thing. Is people blow up is because they use leverage and they they have uh, they lose their emotional control. So the way to think about it again is leverage exposes oneself to catastrophic risk, and it's like driving a a very uh, a, a car at at a very fast speed. So uh, let's put it this way: you get a Formula One. A Formula One has a max speed, uh, I believe, of uh, like. Uh, uh, like uh, 220 miles per hour, somewhere around there, right? Um, if you drive a Formula One at max speed for your entire life, you are guaranteed to die. <laughs> yeah. You're going to die. It's just a matter of when. Like uh, the Formula Driver, Formula One drivers, uh, it, it's a matter of community probability. It, it's, uh, the thing is we, we don't live such long lives and, and uh, driving cars for... for uh, uh, professional drivers is, is very demanding on their bodies, right? It's not just, oh, I'm going to drive a car. So we can't, they, they cannot do it uh, for too long. But if, we, if they were to drive for 200 years, they would die, all of them. So it's the same thing in, in, in trading uh, and people that blow up. It's like eventually you're going to, eventually you're going to blow up if you keep on doing that thing. So need to minimize, need to use leverage very responsibly. Uh, always have hard stops when you have leverage on. Uh, if you lose emotional control, uh, which happens very often when, when dealing with leverage, need to close positions and get the, get the fuck out. Um, yeah. Uh, things, yeah, things like that. Um, it, it's uh, to, to, be, to, to, to repeat myself a little bit, um, leverage, Loss of emotional control, and uh, and the stubbornness and inability to 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 see the big picture is that's how people blow up. Um, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. I I do think emotional control and discipline is very important, um, and it's it's especially hard in crypto because it's a twenty four seven industry, right? Uh, how do you, let's say, you know deal with mental health, right? Like, how do, how do you make sure that you don't burn out? How do you make sure uh, that, you know, you are self-aware um, and you're aware of, like, whenever you're not thinking clearly? Um, like, do you have any rules in place that you like to 
Um, I share with I us. don't. Well, one of my rules is breaking my own rules, you know, but it's something <laughs> I can do because I've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, uh, when, when, uh, like, when, like a long time ago, uh, what I would do is basically uh, I would document uh, my emotions and my thought process uh, to the T on every single trade, everything I added, everything I, every single time I pressed the button or thought while well, thinking about pressing the button, at the end of the day, I would document this, try to understand what's going on in my head. Uh, I did this for many, many years. Uh, now is about now it's instinctive. Uh, so I think that that's something that could be very helpful for people who are getting started on, on basically speculation and risk management. What percent of your trades do you go with just gut feel, um, or do you do mostly TA stuff and it's rules based? Um... I guess you break it's, your own rules and whatnot, but like, how do you think it's about a, gut feel? It's a, it's a combination. It's also my, my trading style has changed dramatically through the years. Um, it's, uh, I'm both a bigger picture positional trader. I'm also a scalper. Uh, I have setups that I know that work that uh, I, I, I don't use that much anymore these days because I don't have the time. Uh, and also they're not as, as uh, replicable with, with uh, depend, it, they're, they're not scalable. Uh, once you have more capital, you can't execute the same way because you're, you become the market or you're moving the market. So uh, um, it, it becomes, for example, very difficult to trade breakouts on things that are not that liquid. Uh, you can still do it on Bitcoin, but uh, um, that. So, so I'd say um, it, it's, it really varies if, you have to, if I have to define what I do is positional trading. So trying to uh, uh, milk the trend as much as possible. Uh, I use um, uh, top-down uh, top macro analysis to try to see, to try to identify what I'm going to buy and, 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 and when. And uh, then when it comes down to execution, that's TA. Uh, I'm usually looking for what... Uh, what people in crypto call the liquidations, I call them the stop runs. It's been, uh, it's been basically at the, at the core of my my trading is execution when the execution from the long side when there is panic going on. That, by the way, works extremely well without leverage. When you put leverage on it, it's it's something I do, but it's very difficult. And uh, I actually recommend uh, people to try it um, uh, because you can learn a lot about yourself and a lot about uh, execution doing that. But uh, whoever does it will uh, lose a lot of money in the process until, uh, until they, you know, they go to the other side. I feel like it's easy to like, listen to people and be like, okay, like, let's not use leverage, emotional control. But you, know, you, you only learn the important lessons uh, when the market dis destroys you, right? When the market humbles yeah. you. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, yeah it's like, do you, you want to be a very good uh, uh, a car racer? Well, you have, to, you have to drive really fast. That's how you're going to learn. And uh, you, you may crash. And then the, the point is like knowing how to, okay, I already learned enough. I don't need to race anymore. And then the, the teachings and what you learn, they, they stick with you. But if you never try to, to race and you never try to, to trade with leverage and you never... Uh, like, like something else that, that uh, you asked me earlier is like uh, traits that uh, successful investors or, or traders have. And one of them, aside of uh, drive and discipline, is that they are risk takers. Uh, it's, uh, the world is, uh, belongs to the risk takers, not to the risk averse. 
So it's not for everyone, right? But uh, one has to have a drive to take risks responsibly. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the final questions I have for you is, you know, if you can go back in time um, to, and you had the opportunity to you know, give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Uh, that would be start investing uh, sooner. Uh, I think um, that would be pretty much it. Starting, start investing sooner, saving and investing. Um, I, I'd say the second one would be um, find a mentor. It's very hard to do, but try to find a mentor. And, um, and then be more humble which is very easy, very difficult for, for all of us to, to, to do when we are uh, uh, teenagers and we're in our early 20s and late 20s and we think we know absolutely everything and we're so good and we look great and we're strong and intelligent and we have everything and we actually don't have any of those things. Uh, um, uh, so humility plays a, a big role. It's like I would tell my, my young self, uh, be more humble, get a mentor and start saving and investing at a younger age. I guess it's a lesson over time, um, especially in like a male dominated industry like crypto and I guess finance generally. Um, it's everyone just has like big dick energy. It's like I'm smarter than you. I'm my dick is bigger. You know, like I have more yeah. money um, and just being able to just disassociate from that and just be in your own lane um, and just, just like have your own timeline. Right. You don't have to make all the money in the next three months. Right. Like why not over the next 10 years, you know, like find ways to consistently uh, generate alpha and edge. Uh, like, how, how would you define your edge? You know, if you can just put it into a few sentences. Um, I'm obsessed with what I do. I never stop. Um, it's, uh, I love what I do. So what I do is, uh, my, my job is my hobby and my hobby is my job. So I just, I'm working all the time. So that's, I think that's my edge. That, that, and, um, I'd say emotional, uh, uh Good emotional control, ability to to be a contrarian, and and really, I'm like analyzing everything. Don't take anything for granted. Um, I'd say I'd say that, but it's not like really. It, I'm not unique, right? I'm just somebody who works very hard. It's anybody can do what I do, and it's just about wanting and, and working really, really hard. So. Um, that's that's the edge. Work 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 work. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, work more than your competition. And it's also easy to for anyone to say, "Oh yeah, like I'll work hard." But I think, you know, like the winners, right? The the real winners, you know, they work hard when no one else wants to work hard. Uh, you know, for example, the bear market, you know, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, it was brutal, right? Crypto. I mean, I think there was a period yeah. where the ETH weekly candle was down like twelve weeks in a row or something. Like I. I that, that was so painful, uh, you know, and like, but like whoever stuck around, you know, we're kind of reaping the benefits. Uh, yeah, yeah, like in exactly. This I mean, a very large number of people quit. They really did quit. It happened. Yeah. When do you think those people come back? Do you think it's like Bitcoin all-time highs? Uh, do you think they're slowly? It's, it's difficult. I think it's, 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 it's case by case and it's very difficult because on one hand, you have people, eventually they come back and... Uh, you know, once things are very bullish and they feel the formal and they already have the basics or, or a lot of knowledge and, and they come back when uh, throughout time, it's not, it's not, it's not the definitive point in time. It's like here it happens, but there, there's a lot of other people that develop deeply entrenched resentment and anger 
towards the asset class that basically showed them so much and they took, it, took everything away from them. Uh, and uh, they lost a lot of money. And, and it can be very hard for, for uh, 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 any, any of us, uh, all of us, when, when we're in that position to actually say, fuck this, I'm going to try again. It's, it's difficult. So not everybody can do it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, I feel like there's like this meme in meme on crypto Twitter. It's like anyone that's in crypto right now has some form of mental illness, you know, because for us to persevere through all this, you know, it's it's really tough. That's it's really tough. I agree. I mean, it's, it doesn't apply to people who just accumulate uh, uh, Bitcoin and ETH, for example, while they have uh, 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 decent jobs that you know they, they're not making a sacrifice, right? Uh, they're just smart people that accumulate it. It doesn't apply to them, but for, for all the, uh, everybody else in the industry who basically like works full time, it is kind of insane. The volatility, uh, of, of our asset class. It's so insane that it, it, it does take some level of madness to, to stick around. Right. Yeah. It's not for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so as we wrap up the podcast here, do you have any final words of wisdom, advice that you want to share um, to our audience today? Don't give up. And uh, yeah, if you hate what you do, it's very easy to give up. That, that's the thing. It's, if you work in a bank uh, or you're a management consultant or you work in, at Starbucks or at Costco or, uh, you know, you are, a, 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 I don't know, a nurse uh, and you have a boss, it, it's like like different kind of jobs that basically... You don't necessarily love it and you have, you're dealing with uh, bad bosses and aggressive teams and too much nasty politics. Uh, well, then it's very easy to give up. So that's why, okay, that's it. It's uh, for anybody who is, who is uh, younger and in the audience, uh, it's uh, uh, my, my, my words of wisdom is do whatever you have to do to find something you love and work. Make that your career. If if you don't love what you're doing, you're you're fucking up. Sorry, my French. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. It's, yeah, this no 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 worries. We can say anything we want on this channel. <laughs> no sponsors or anything. Um, anyways, thank you for, uh, for taking the time. I really appreciate uh, your wisdom. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, just on, on Twitter. Twitter only. Yeah, the ticker is Kruger, I, I, I do, I do, I do read my uh, direct messages uh, every now and then. It's open in purpose. Uh, I spend time in in in, in reading, uh, not spam or people with offers and things like that. But uh, um, you know, anybody asking questions, uh, I generally uh, eventually uh, respond, and I, I think is is yeah, that's how. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alex, for coming on. And maybe we can do a part two sometime later in the future. Awesome. Thank you, Taiki. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, chat soon.